0: If you're a tattoo artist and you're listening to the show, we've got a product that we think you should go and check out. Our buddy Gabe over at Tattoo Now has been setting up this extensive package for anyone who is in the business, and it's it's amazing. Uh, we're not getting paid for this, this spot. We're doing this because we actually really just believe in the software and the service that Gabe offers. The Tattoo Now business suite uh, comes in three different packages ranging anywhere from $99 a month up to $400 a month, and it's amazing you'll get not only a professional crm and client database where you'll never lose contacts again, right? It keeps everything in one space. It's easy to fill cancellations because everything is just right in front of your face. There's marketing that's attached to it. You also have integrations with like Google My Business and with your Facebook, Instagram, any of your other social medias, and you can do it all from one place. So if you're like Brian and you have all of these different social media accounts, it's all in one space. You can post to them just from one spot. So you don't have to have 50 different apps, you know, trying to keep track of everything. It's it's amazing and that's just for the base package i mean if you start getting higher end on this stuff like up to the the premium one i mean you get one-on-one time with gabe and i mean if you don't know of his past i mean first go back and listen to the show but also just know that this dude knows what he's doing Uh, it's more than 20 years just doing the tech side of stuff but also he owned one of the most successful shops on the planet and it's just amazing To have that wealth of knowledge At your fingertips So why don't you head over To the Tattoo Now website And uh, fill out a request To have a talk with them We'll have a link down In the show description But if you're not somebody Who likes to read that stuff You can go to Longevity.tattoonow.com Forward slash Two dudes One word Two dudes Is the affiliate link You can go over there and uh, hit Gabe up. I mean, trust me, if, if you hit this up and, and you take advantage of this, it's going to help your business, streamline your stuff, and give you more free time. Anyways, on to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm recording in the kitchen at home because it's loud and I'm not at the shop, so we're just going to skip a whole bunch of the fancy stuff and and uh, just ask you to go leave us a review if you want. Uh, and look forward to the episode where we're talking with Vivin Lasangas, Luzanga, Madam Lasangas tattoo in seattle she's so freaking cool uh yeah so that's it Uh, i'm just kind of busy today so this is this is the worst intro that you're ever gonna hear on the show but it's done so we hope you enjoy the show Thank you so much for, for talking with me today. Like I am one, a huge fan, huge fan. I have like, and I mean, the lore behind you that I've, I've encountered in my travels and you're like a mythical, (laughs) no, you are. It's, I was in uh, Northern Canada and somebody had mentioned some stories about you. This is like, you used to tattoo with a six shooter in your lap, you know, like you were someone not to be trifled with, (laughs) I love As, it. <laughs> so the the myth <laughs> and oh mystery my attached to you is is, you know, <laughs> for my generation tattooers is massive. So yeah. Oh
1: thank you. boy. Okay. <laughs> Keep making up stories. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> so uh I guess to start, can you tell us uh your name, please? Uh where you work and uh a little bit of a background on on what you do.
1: Okay. Vivine Lazanga, alias. They're really being that's my birth birth name okay but um yeah, I have my own studio in Seattle right below the Pike Place market. It's just a small studio, and I have one other person that works with me yeah. and I used to have a bigger shop that and I had um you know a lot of people you know a few people that worked for me and everything and mm-hmm. back in the day, everybody wanted to kind of climb on the bandwagon and use me to further their careers and whatnot, and I'm kind of just naive in a lot of ways, especially with business, but I've had to learn a lot of stuff the hard way, so I decided to cut my shop down and just keep it really small and deal with one other co-worker at a time, so nice. I have one good one now.
0: <laughs> so the I guess the industry over the, the career that you've had has changed a lot, would I be safe in making that assumption?
1: yes it has if i had tried to describe what it was like back in the olden days i think a lot of young people they wouldn't be able to grasp the concept of it you know yeah before the internet uh long before the internet
2: (laughs) i uh
0: i often think that the and especially like the past, I guess, like maybe fifteen years or something. I, I had a traditional apprenticeship, um, I guess, for my generation of tattooers to be, which which was violent, demeaning, and I didn't really learn anything. But I got my foot in the door, I guess, based off of my artistic skill. And I don't see that kind of the same in the in the world now. It seems much more open access. Anyone can mm-hmm. kind of come into tattooing. And um,
1: yeah.
0: how, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, just buy your stuff on Amazon or Etsy or PayPal or whatever <laughs> and go at it. You yeah. know, it's the day and age we live in. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't like it, but you can't, I don't, you know, just deal with it, I guess.
0: <laughs> how, when you when you started tattooing, how many shops were opened, I guess, in, in Seattle?
1: Uh, there weren't any. When I approached my teacher my mentor danny danzel he was the only one and he got the shop on first avenue after zeke owen had left and zeke had the shop i don't know for how many years but he left town and uh danny first i don't know what their connection was but he got the shop from zeke so and then i met danny the fall of 72 and um it was all very um I guess it was supposed to be because I had been looking for a place to get a tattoo and there weren't any tattoo shops around. So I wound up going to Tacoma to get my first tattoo. And that it was a very nice, clean, traditional tattoo shop run by a couple professor Rex and his cute wife. Um, what was her name? I know her name. I can't remember it, but they were really darling. So I didn't want to get tattooed in, Front of the window. It was just like typical, no privacy. Oh. So I said, okay, well, I don't want a traditional tattoo like a rose. It seemed too cliche to me. So I got this uh skull with bat wings on my arm. <laughs> <So> cool. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. Right then,
1: you wow. know, something more sort of esoteric and macabre. And then later on, when I used to take the bus downtown, and I would have my tattoo showing. A lot of the kids, they thought I was tough and they wanted to pick a fight with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I better cover this up then. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah. Uh, that's that's we well. You learned so much.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: So Seattle was not, I guess, the booming art metropolis that it, it mm, seems
2: to no.
1: be. No, it was kind of a sleepy little town. And I think it still is kind of that way, has very sort of, um, I can't find the right word for it, but yeah, I mean, so Seattle's always been very innovative with music and the arts. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of uh, great musicians have come out of Seattle, jazz musicians. And, you know, of course, people like Nirvana and Soundgarden and whatnot. But um, I think a lot of that has to do with the idea that we're not smack dab in the middle of, um, all these great artists and performers. Like they have in LA, LA being the capital of whatever you want, want to do, you know, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. And because we're up here in the Northwest where we're sort of secluded away from everything, this is like the last holdout before you go to Alaska, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: And so people for myself, I just, uh, stayed the course, put my head down and worked and dedicated my life to the art of tattooing. I mean, I had this vision of what you could do back in the day before it was even anyone ever thought of it about what you could do with tattoos instead of just doing one image on the skin at a time. And I think the the first time I saw a really great piece of artwork was in a man's magazine they didn't have tattoo magazines back then, but they had these men's magazines. I'd go through them and look for different things. I found this article written about Cliff Raven,
2: uh-huh.
1: and his artwork was phenomenal. And then shortly after that, I um, well, as I discovered more in the world of tattooing, I discovered Ed Hardy's work. But even before that, in the shop, when I was working with Danny, sometimes people would come in with um photos of yakuza tattoos and I thought wow that's that is so incredible it's like they tell these stories of um, their history or their mythology and it's all everything's like a mural it's all everything's connected and it makes sense and it's beautiful it's like a different style different way of looking at art on skin and I just thought that that was so magical and so beautiful and I thought, oh, I want a tattoo like that. <laughs> but I never I, I never thought of myself as really studying the Japanese history and art form because it was it's like there wasn't that much available. There was no internet, no nothing. So I just did my own thing and sort of um, tried to use that as a model for how I would create images on the skin. And I think it's much – it's easier if you – decide to follow the Japanese history and their style because they already have like a really very strong centuries of strong foundation laid out. And so people that are really good at at that, it's like, hey, you know, kudos to them. But if you don't follow like a certain path that's like that, then you're kind of on your own. And that's what I did, just tried to create something something else <laughs> i don't know what something else
0: that's that's interesting um, so i'm wondering because you like even today like you slay like you're so good you know i no, love your don't work. tell
1: me that <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
1: it's amazing oh, my to God. See. like
0: your work is it's it's relevant it's uh well done you know it's it, it it's bright, it's bold, and you like you look at it and you know it's going to last and look amazing. And I I think that that speaks to innovation. Like you're saying, you had to just kind of come up with this stuff. So I'm wondering like like where where did this come from? Like where, are you from the Pacific Northwest? Is there like a cultural yes, thing? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. did you grow up in a, a home that was just accepting of the arts and, and no.
1: And, and... <laughs> I, I, I grew I grew up the opposite.
2: <laughs> oh okay. I grew up
1: Oh, You don't even want to know. I grew up when I was uh, really young. My mom, it was, you know, in the day and age where women didn't work and she didn't know how to work. It's a long story. So we lived, my sister and I lived on welfare for a while. We lived in the projects. And um, then later on, my mom got married. uh, So I had a stepdad, but my mom did not encourage me with anything whatsoever. So I was totally on my own. Um, I just had—I think she was crazy to tell you the truth. I didn't like <laughs> to say that, but she was in her own world.
2: Gotcha.
0: Did that feed into like a rebellious streak for you, where you didn't like connect or I guess have that support? is to like I'm trying to think I of don't
1: a, know. A climate, I don't you know. yeah, I never had anything. I I felt like I was like actually a shut-in because my mom alienated all of her our relatives. So I didn't have that support. And I just, you know, I look back in my life and I think that a lot of it is karmic, that I I came here to uh, experience these things and to redo the things that I haven't done before so I can learn from all of this. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I I listen to a lot of the uh, different people that I just, I'm like passionate about you know, like Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden. And, um, there's a whole list of, um, Sadhguru and the list goes on and on and on. I listen to all these people that, um, have a relevance to me. It's like, it's, their messages are so important. So I try to, I mean, I I am encouraged by what they talk about and everything. It's kind of like my way of going to church, I guess, um, But what kept me going was something else that I can't put into words, but a strong, just a strong drive that I know this is what I need to do with my life.
0: How did, when did that settle in? Like when you got into tattooing, was it after the first tattoo? Were you attracted to it before that? Like you were thinking, like, this is maybe something I could do? Like,
1: no. (laughs) i had no desire
0: (laughs) how how did this happen then if this is just something kind of fell into your lap like how did you end up going from um i guess like what did you do for work before you were attached well
1: i've always played around with art and even when i was real little if i had anything that i could draw with i would just draw all over the furniture and the walls and stuff until i got in trouble (laughs) but then when i went to school in high school um I was like head of the women's art department and stuff. So I was able to get supplies through them. And I studied costume designing back then. And then after that, I, um, I left home and went out to experience the world because I felt like I needed to catch up on my socialization and being finding out what it's like in the real world since I didn't have any of that growing up and so that's been quite the experience for me learning all these things with no guides or help or anything of any kind so it's like i just like ran off like a fool go, here you go <laughs> so i um in the early days i worked in factories and i worked for the phone company and i worked and then i would take time off you know collect unemployment and i uh in the late 60s I kind of hitchhiked around you could do it back then you can't do it now you get yourself (laughs) killed but I would hitchhike up and down the coastline and have some experiences that way and one summer day this guy came over to our house I was married at the time in the early 70s and a friend came over and he said hey there's a tattoo shop downtown that this guy opened up I thought oh I'm gonna run down and and see who it is and everything but even before he said that, I had already received my first tattoo. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, already implanted into my my whole being that that was, like, a really mystical thing to do. And um, so I ran down to this shop downtown. It was on Skid Row. And at that time, everybody, everybody shunned Skid Row. You know, it was like, oh, you don't go down there kind of thing. But I did. And I met Danny. And, um, so I asked him if I could be his helper. I didn't go in with an attitude like, Oh, you teach me. No, I went in with the idea of how can I help you? So that's kind of how I started yeah. at the time. He didn't have a phone. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> no phone, <laughs> was just yeah, flying by the seat of our pants, um, walk-ins, you know, so, um, I started doing flash different kind of flash that was not all that traditional. And that was like my start. Mm. So I'd go home and paint flash with Doc Martin's paint, more <laughs> uh, color paint. And then, and then as time went by, I would start uh, doing larger pieces, but I would uh, do those at home. So I wouldn't interfere with my walk-in work at the shop. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I know. I look back on my past. It's like, wow, I had a lot of energy. <laughs> I don't have that kind of energy anymore. <laughs> oh, well.
0: Uh, but that's, that's awesome. I'm, uh, it, it is it kind of like the traditional track that we hear about from more modern people as you're going through? You start off small. You start working big. But I don't think that the designs that you were doing weren't the standard, like, ball flash, you were saying. So, like, how how did no. they differ? Like, I just what, thought
1: they were boring. See, that's yeah. the rebel in me. <laughs> I don't want to do that. (laughs) You
0: you seem to have a really light spirit. Like you just, you just, I don't know. I just met you, but talking to you, you just like, you you seem really nice. Like I I don't, all the stories I heard is like, you once stabbed a man in like Kentucky and shit. And so I'm talking to you.
1: I like that. (laughs) Maybe it'll help me grow some balls or something. (laughs)
0: But <laughs> you just like it seems like, even like how you're describing your rebellion, you're like, ah, fuck it, no, I'm gonna go do something else, you know. And I think that's <laughs> that's amazing. How, how was your initial like foray into just like kind of doing different stuff? How was it received? We'll say, you know, well,
1: it was a different day and age, you know, and um, they had the women's liber thing kind of um growing, escalating, and um, the the whole um thing with the black people being so trodden upon and martin luther king and this is the the era that i came out of um and of course i used to go to protests and whatnot you know the vietnam war protests and get tear gassed and all that kind of stuff
0: but Wait, what you um, were tear gassed
1: <laughs> yeah I had that you know i i lived uh close to the University of Washington when they bombed one of the buildings at the university. Wait, wait, a, lot of, a lot of stuff came down. The Black Panthers were I I really like the Black Panthers though. Because uh, I think they did a lot for their community and for children and, and stuff. Uh, but
0: um the university really, was bombed? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I the, wait, what, no, what happened? <laughs> like I I didn't know that The the university was bombed. What what was this a freak accident in the science room or something or somebody
1: set off a bomb? Just like the I don't know what group did it, but there were a lot of um subversive groups around fighting the Vietnam War and stuff. So it was one of those people. Yeah. Who did it, but yeah. But you know, I, I look at stuff today. It seems like we're going through another repeat with the Tennessee Three and all of that. I don't know if you watch what's going on, but it's um, yeah. It I don't even want to get into that because yeah. we're talking about tattoos,
0: not yeah. We're talking politics. about tattoos. Yeah, I uh, I try to stay away from politics and religion because I find it doesn't matter yeah. whatever my opinion is. I'm going to find somebody who doesn't agree with it. So
1: I know. I yeah, just, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, but um, I
1: see us doing a repeat and the energy it's the the energy behind it is really great because people are waking up and what's going on, people are not taking it anymore. And that's why you have so many mass shootings and whatnot. So um yeah, it's that's gonna change.
2: I hope so. And people
1: are excited and I think they're banding together, helping each other, and yeah, it's it's gonna change.
0: I sure hope so, because um, well,
1: this is not going to go on forever.
0: Oh, thank God! No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, with your with your shop being located in the space where it was, like how how long did it take you to start? I guess getting uh, like a client base, we'd say, like or would we compare it to nowadays.
1: Um, I was lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. A lot of women loved me. A lot of men loved me because they hadn't seen a woman tattoo artist.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: back in, in the 70s, it was like tattooing was sort of underground. And uh, I think Lyle Tuttle did a lot to promote it with tattooing rock stars. And his way of being in the world was so dynamic. And he was a great storyteller and everything. So, but, um Yeah. It's uh, I was in the right place at the right time, and so it was easy.
0: Mm. Is, why, and so the
1: faction uh, of people, they all wanted to get tattooed. Uh, you, know, with... you know, I did a lot of, um, of course, a lot of Vietnam people coming back from the war and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I um, when I went to Portland once, I was supposed to get tattooed by Zeke Owen because I loved his work. I didn't know that much about him at the time. But when I went there, I met um, Hong Kong Tom and he actually tattooed me instead of Zeke. So I was happy. I got his pieces just has lasted throughout the decades. It's so beautiful. But Hong Kong Tom and Don Nolan and Rio de Janeiro, um, oh, there's a bunch of guys. They all worked on the pike and I'm not sure who they worked for, but this was after the pike got disbanded. And so, a lot of them were out just kind of looking for places to work. Mm. I kind of looked at it like the end of the Samurai era where the <laughs> Samurais are all out there looking for work uh, kind of thing but um huh. so and at that time, I was working at the shop with Danny, so um, I was able to get uh Hong Kong Tom a job working in the shop. oh cool, and then um the f b i came in and got him one day. So what?
2: he had to go, yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay.
0: Why why was the FBI in there? I don't, I don't understand.
1: <laughs> well, he was doing I don't know what he was doing, but, but the he FBI had, had a watch on him at one point. <laughs> Jesus, I know. Well, so- but I, I learned a lot from him. He of course he Spent the rest of his life in prison, but I, I heard stories about how everyone in prison idolized him because he was so mellow and such a good. Uh, he would teach people art and everything, so they they all loved him.
0: <laughs> so keep it like you have some. I, I can just tell the stories. This <laughs> must be. I mean, because you don't hear stuff like this anymore. Hong well, Kong I don't talk about. It. Like, you're FBI. one of the
1: people that you know. <laughs> Who am I going to tell it to? I don't
0: know. I'm just very quiet. Oh, that's great. Well, I think, yeah, because like the, the modern industry from like where I'm sitting, it seems really insulated. You know, like we all just kind of sit inside of our own little bubbles. There's not a lot of community anymore. It seems like we don't have like there's 10 million tattoo shows. You yeah. know, it's not like you're just going to go to the NTA show. There's one a year and everyone gets to see everyone and it's, you know, collaborative or whatever. Now mm-hmm. there's you know, two a weekend every weekend. Yeah. And uh, everyone's competing with each other versus like trying to help each other. And I think, yeah, like where I'm at, I'm, tw- I'm in my 21st year of tattooing, and it's funny because I'm trying just to like meet people. That's the real reason I'm doing the podcast as well is just I want to meet people. I want to hear some of the stories to better understand why I'm able to do what I'm able to do. I hope yeah. they will better inform any of the st- stuff I'm trying to figure out as well. But <laughs> the stories, my goodness, so it's. <laughs> It seems um, like it's quite a culture to tattooing back in the day. Well, there right?
1: <laughs> used to be. I have no idea what it's like now.
2: Uh, I'm
1: always, I i feel isolated too. You're not the only one. Yeah. You know, me running my business and still trying to stay relevant and do my art and do everything. It's like, oh, wait. It's, and that, you know, it used to be easier. I think that the thing that made it harder was the internet. Yeah. One raves about the internet. It's like, no, you young ones, you were born with it. You don't know any better. You don't know what how life was before then. I'm mm-hmm. sure we think some things were harder, but so what? We had to work hard in this craft to really make it good and to be mm-hmm. a good technician. Mm-hmm. And now you can just get buy stuff whenever you want. Or mm-hmm get it off the internet
0: i don't know yeah. i remember well, the the first time i didn't have to make a three round liner in the morning
1: mm-hmm. or at
0: night before depending on how late we worked right um, yeah. or like watch the the stovetop sterilizer to make sure it didn't explode right. uh,
2: <laughs> yeah uh
0: or the the time when when we were trying to make some black pigment and somebody accidentally dropped the bag and it popped oh, on the no. ground <laughs>
1: I, I've had, yeah, oh, I've <laughs> had no experience like that. Ooh, yeah.
0: The ink room, right? But, I used to have one in the back. It was
1: filthy.
2: It was just horrible.
1: That's <laughs> all part of living life as a tattooer. It's like everything's not going to be neat and clean and to your liking. And I think uh, the harder you work for something, the more you're going to value it. And yeah. so just like all these conventions that go on, like dozens of them every weekend, it's like, so what? You know, I think you're right, connecting up with people, because that's what really makes it worthwhile, and I kind of wish that I could do that in in some kind of way. I don't know how, but I I miss the people thing, And but I feel like I'm too old to go to conventions and sit there and work, so I'm not doing that.
2: Uh,
0: Um, Well, you're doing it right now. I mean, people are, whoever listens to this is going to know hopefully a little bit more about you, but yeah. you have like, you have a Wikipedia page that mm-hmm. is extensive. Like you, you've, you've done everything, you know, no, I would
1: not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've just lived a lot of life and been through a lot of experiences. Yeah. And they haven't all been good, but in a way I honor it because I've learned so much from that.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's going
1: to be like a straight line across even steven you know oh, no it's not, fucking not all like over the that. place <laughs> yeah
0: Listen, like just just the amount of time that that i figure most artists we got the demographics down here i live in portland um the demographics we have like 4500 tattooers in oregon and Ugh. the average the average tattooer age is not very much it's three to five years in the industry so there's a a, a muddying of the skill and talent that's coming up because there's just so many people here um but it seems like all of them have not taken the time to try and educate themselves backwards to learn off of the mistakes that people came from before them,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: So have you made a lot of mistakes in your time?
1: Well, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> still make them. <laughs> Never ends, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But-
0: I think it'd be like one of those things that is necessary now. And I mean, not to harp on tech too much, but if we had an open space where people could just talk and hear and like learn in a true yeah. way uh, to make sure that like your experiences specifically, like aren't going to be lost, you know, like we talked to Carrie uh, Barba a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that and, was such uh,
1: a great interview. Oh, thanks. And I listened to it and I thought, <laughs> oh my God, she has such a, a great history. I That's can't cool, even man. Like I don't know. It's like, yeah, well, I was well, like intimidated.
0: <laughs> I mean, you you're considered one of the you know uh, people who, who just brought women into tattooing in the Northwest and like across the country. But uh, how many female tattooers do you know that had started when you were when you were working?
1: Um, the only person which I didn't know at the time was Kate Helen Brand. And I didn't know about her until probably ten or twelve years later on. So, so there were a few couple of women that came after me about I think five years after me, it was Suzanne Fouser and um Mary Jane Hake from Portland. Oh, wow. So yeah. And that was it. <laughs>
0: So, like, when you would travel, or maybe at uh, least maybe a decade or so, and if you went to some of these conventions, was there a, a different level of connection amongst like the like the females instead? Like, have you seen someone else? You're like, oh my gosh! Like, like let's hang out and be best friends, or was it very competitive?
1: Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think women are weird actually <laughs> because, um, I think you know it's like men and women have their own style so but um I think women can be um nice to your face but covert and uh if they don't like you very vindictive mm. and with men it's like i think i get a i get along pretty well with men but it's you know it's an individual thing mm. you just i found out the hard way that that I need to surround myself with the right people. Mm. It took me forever to figure that one out. Better no. late like than never, because I used to hire people that just wanted what they wanted, and um I had a big shop and everything, and I couldn't really manage it. It was too much, and so people would be doing things behind my back constantly.
2: Yeah, and, not as much loyalty. So I, I had guess. to like
1: cut it, cut it down, and mm. just get rid of that.
0: How long ago did you cut down the shop?
1: That was. Actually, I think about 12 years ago. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I would hire people to come and work with me without really vetting them out. And that's another thing that I had to learn to go by, not just by the art that they do and how good of an artist they are, but the, every everything else about them. Mm. So, Yeah.
0: Is that do you see a lot of muddying in the waters? Maybe like uh with, with the way that people are approaching tattoo nowadays versus maybe like how it, it started when you first got into the industry? Like how people are approaching the arts, the interactions with clients, um, or just even treating this as as something bigger, you know, than just doing artwork on a body.
1: I think people as a whole are more educated and they get more information afforded to them, whereas in the past that wasn't available. So in a lot of ways, it's gotten to be a lot better, but it's so vast and so overglutted with everything. It's like, please just (laughs) shut my brain down. Just you know, it's Uh, like. I guess it's that way in the world everywhere, though.
0: Yeah, constant input.
1: I can't. Yeah, I can't take it all in.
0: Uh, But how how many people have come through your shop? Have you helped? Over the years, like
1: oh, I don't know I never huh? thought about I never counted them. <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to think about it so say bye. <laughs>
2: nice knowing you yeah uh, um, you have any
0: do you have any positive stories about people who've come through?
1: yeah, I do um I have one lady that um well her and her husband left for Montana and she got pregnant and everything and she wanted kind of uh easier pace lifestyle to live in and so yeah i've had a few people that i've liked that have left for one reason or another Mm -hmm. so i don't expect people to stay around forever Wow, you know that's a given
2: yeah
0: that's difficult i think sometimes i've I've only come across a handful of tattoo shops um in my my time on this where i've seen people stay more than 10 years Mm -hmm. that seems very transient you know it's almost like yeah, uh, day laborers or something moving with the tides, or you know, old hunter-gatherer right. societies, so and just keep moving to wherever they think they can get, I guess, more. Or they're running yeah. away from crap that they did.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just never know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it used to be if you did a bad tattoo, you had to leave town. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh,
2: that's why I worked
0: at 60 different tattoo shops over the first you know (laughs) number of years that I was at I got to travel all over the world which was great because I had to try to learn off of other people and I just as soon as I'd mess up I'd be like oh well time to pack up and go again quite the
1: experience for you
0: (laughs) yeah well kind of (laughs) right so when I first started I tried I I I Got into tattooing and I thought I knew everything just like I think everyone does when I first get into it. You're trying to mold the industry to to be more of what you want or what you expect. And that doesn't happen because Mm -hmm. it's its own beast. You have to exist in it, adjacent to it, but you're always giving something to it. So uh, once I got over my ego... Which I think is like the first three years is probably the hardest for everyone. Cause as soon as you nail a tattoo, you think that you've made it and that's not how it is. Uh, yeah. I started to travel around. I wanted to learn more. So I would I do carpet bombing technique with resumes and stuff. I would send out 30 emails to 30 shops for 30 days. So I have, you know, about nine hundred wow. shops I'd be in contact with. <clears throat> I might hear back from two or three of them. And they were all the shops that just you know were I guess doing work in the areas where I wanted to go. So I'd go there, study the towns, and then find the best people who were there, and I try to learn off them. Yeah. Um, and I did that for a decade, and wow. I didn't learn anything.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> I
0: know. I got a, I, I learned maybe how to do some things that would work sometimes on some people based on you know age, you know lifestyle, race. Uh, we could even have the environment or climate. Like it was only applicable in very specific circumstances. So I want, I was always looking for a one shot. This is the answer for everything, you know, like this is how you do line work and this is how you pack color. And I spent all that time and I was like, these people don't know anything, but it's not right. It's just, it's very limited. When you start looking at the the macro of the industry, we have to look at every person individually when Mm -hmm. we're working with them. Right. And uh, I got that off of you when I did my reading and research is that you're very, one-on-one with the people that you work with and care
1: about yeah them. yeah yeah i i do get attached to people so wow. it just comes with what i do I, I don't know if other tattooers get attached to their clients that in that way but wow. i do so you know a bonding happens and it's like okay time to go now
2: wow. yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Um,
0: you get to like know so much about a person when you when you're hurting them for hours on end, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. Just you know, being heavily tattooed as a tattoo artist, I think that should that should be part of the criteria of being a professional tattoo artist. That you go through that whole experience of the pain and and what that entails and how it how it affects you. I mean. I, somehow or another like breaks through some barriers um where the person surrenders and so it's a whole nother, I guess, psychological type of thing. But for myself, getting heavily tattooed, I knew that the only way to continue to get tattooed was to surrender and go with the kind of like the Indian shamans do when they do their rituals. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it.
0: There's a level of spiritualism attached to this. It's not just art yes. on body. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it, you seem to have a lot of respect for it. You know, I don't know if it's like. Do you feel the way that the industry is is working right now is representative of what it actually should be? Like treating clients, artwork, etc.
1: Uh, it depends on if you're watching TV shows. <laughs> 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 absolutely not <laughs> antithesis of how it should be treated yeah uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I've noticed like when I turn on uh, social media or something you know because like we all do that I guess um, I've noticed like tattooing if we, if we look back in time we'll see the person and their tattoos as a collection and now we just see the tattoo with no person
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know we've, we've turned everyone into An object. yeah there's never there's never a way you can tell what that person looks like, but you can try to build a story about like their their idea or their collection. It's like you went and bought a shirt at a Ross.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so fascinating. Yes, and uh. just commodify us. Like, okay, next.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, al-
1: next.
0: <clears throat> it's almost like the tattoos have gone back to the old Flash days, you know, where you come and you pick something off the wall. That's and-
1: what I've noticed recently. Like when I um, go do the tattoo convention in Seattle. It's like, and I, I gave up going to tattoo conventions, but I will go to the one in Seattle cause that's my hometown.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, so what they're doing now is the artists are making flash their own flash and putting them in their little books. People can pick, it would be like going into a shop, picking something off the wall. So they pick something out of the book to get tattooed for a certain price and usually they're small enough so the artist can do it in an hour or two or even less
2: mm-hmm.
1: oh so, yeah it's going back to the flash days i uh, told myself i was going to do a book of flash so here we go <laughs> i'm <laughs> going back to the past uh, in a different way but it should be fun
0: yeah, there's a large push for a long time to make art real inside of tattooing instead of just being flash like
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you seem to have had a hand in some of that as well like what what was the initial feedback on the industry when you started just wanting to do something different were people interested in it or was that
1: yeah everybody was yeah that's neat and i think you know there was an enthusiasm this buzz of interest and and uh where everyone wanted that you know it was very exciting exciting times and so a bunch of us we would share and get together at national and that was fun and um it may have been competitive but it was different because you know national always honored everybody no matter who it was that showed up and we all uh, shared together doing uh putting the the conventions together so it was more like a co-op Mm-hmm. socialism that dirty word <laughs> yeah we all work together mm. um
0: when did that start to fall out
1: well everything in life is gradual it seems like it takes you know time it didn't really fall out it just morphed into something else
2: mm. i see
1: tattooing changing about every 10 years yeah like the designs and stuff people want and yeah so now it just has changed into something different, but uh a rehash of something old,
2: yeah, it's
0: like a, a seventy year cycle we seen it now it almost feels like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you go back to like the sixties fifties type of tattooing where we have a lot of people traveling, um very fixed set designs, Yes. and it turns stuff out yeah then as quick as possible,
1: and then you have the stick and poke people' That's a whole <laughs> other thing. It's like I say, whatever floats your boat.
0: Uh, the primitive tattooers, as they call them. Yeah, <laughs> I I found that interesting and kind of problematic. You know, um, I don't understand why you can charge hourly when you do a stick and poke, nor do I understand how you can charge over three hundred dollars an hour when you're mm-hmm. doing a stick and poke tattoo.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's whatever the market will bear. I guess you know, kind of thing.
0: I don't know. It seems it seems weird to me, like. There's a lot of innovation that has taken place, not only just like art and understanding the people and like, you know, trying to create some type of equality so anyone can get a fucking tattoo. Why would we start moving backwards?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we are. (laughs) Yeah, we are.
0: Oh, it's strange to me. Um,
2: Uh.
1: Because it's all about experience. And so the population has to go through that experience.
2: Mm. I got you.
1: Things repeat themselves.
0: Yeah. Those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. Isn't that the phrase?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, but I do feel fortunate to have worked with um, Hong Kong Tom and his half-brother, um, Don Nolan. Don Nolan was like, oh, I just idolized him. Wow. He was such a great artist, a Renaissance man. Yeah. So he we worked together in the shop for a while and then Don uh, decided to get a sailboat and sail off, off into the Caribbean. And then <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Uh, uh, he wound up in Minnesota and that's where he settled. And um, yeah.
0: Washington, the Caribbean to Minnesota. That's yeah. a weird climate change there. It's kind of interesting. <clears throat> yeah.
1: And then having gotten tattooed by um, Don Ed Hardy, that was another experience, too. How did Um, that come about? I found out about him early on, well, in the mid-70s. And then I decided I wanted to get tattooed by him because his work was phenomenal. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. So that's what I did back in the day when no one even thought about that. It was very underground. Uh, Um, (laughs) Yeah. He was. I just. I still idolize him. He's so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My my teacher Danny. Um. Of course, he was old school, so I I was pretty much teaching myself. And then when I left him, I had to unlearn a bunch of stuff <laughs> that was not too good. It's no. okay. Yeah. And my respect him so much for taking me on.
0: Yeah. Uh. Um, was it difficult to try and find a job like after you left? Did you have to go and just like open a shop? I,
1: and... Yeah, I did. I <clears throat> I was the first person to take tattooing off a of skid row. And so I moved it up to an artsy neighborhood in Seattle, Capitol Hill. Um Yeah, I did that for a while. And it wasn't the best of places. There was no parking. So that kind of <laughs> squelched that part of the business real good. Yeah.
2: Um, that's great
1: Yeah, learned a lot what not to do (laughs) what else was I going to (laughs) say oh yeah um, Sailor Jerry Sailor Jerry used to write letters to Danny a lot they would correspond back and forth so I would see photos of large work that Sailor Jerry had done on, on sailors mostly they'd get these big back pieces and stuff but he Sailor Jerry was uh, doing kind of a Japanese style, but his own style. He was Sailor Jerry was the first person to innovate and bring that Japanese style of artwork to the West, and that's how it started. Um, and Ed Hardy, uh, I think he worked over there with Sailor Jerry for a while, and then um, and then he decided to go on his own. He actually worked for Doc Webb for a in San Diego. But, um, yeah, Silly Jerry was the first person to really start that. And I had no idea. I mean, I was in awe of his work. I tried to write him one time. He wasn't having it. <laughs> 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 okay. I get it. It's okay.
0: It's a different time.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was. So- and nowadays when people, it's like, you know, the... So many young people and people in general, they had no idea of who Sailor Jerry really was. Mm. I mean, sure, he was a conservative and probably a right-wing bigot. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know his personal stuff and how he was a crotchety old man. But he he was phenomenal. And they people have no idea what he did, what he created. Well, and when I tell them, they go, "Wow, I didn't know he did that. <laughs> yes, he did.
0: Uh, Was there a a big difference between, like, the West Coast scene versus East Coast, we'll say, versus, you know, Midwest or whatever Um, back in...
1: One time time there was. I I watched the whole Japanese thing catch on, and it spread from the West Coast to the East Coast. And so that was really big for a decade or so. And, yeah. And then as time went by, different fads would take place.
0: Yeah, the biker fad, rebel
1: yeah, I did mate. a lot of Harley Davidsons. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I was thinking back at that. That actually, the other day, I was thinking like, how many times have I tattooed a Harley logo? And I'm like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I could probably buy a pretty nice car for the amount of money I made just on Harley symbols. You
1: know? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. And then each region of the country, they kind of have their own style. Mm-hmm. It's so individual.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I uh, I was actually talking, <clears throat> excuse me, with um, Matt Lauders, who's uh, an art historian, uh, a PhD over in the UK, uh, and he focuses on tattoo history um, mm. in the Americas and in the UK, the Western world. And he was talking about those little microcosms of things that we'll see in in between these these cultures, right? And it's usually there's a lot of give and take between the UK and the United States. And there always has been, but it seems like there's there's always a bit of a lag in certain places. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like you get to the Midwest and I had done a, a stint there, oh, maybe about a decade ago. And they were still doing like pointy black tribal. I was like, oh. wow, right on, dude. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when the last time I had done that was, but I think it was like when I first started. It was starting to just yeah. kind of like come back in and You were tattooing all of the bros, you know, the college dudes coming like, "I want to get this; it's gonna be sick," you know. That's
1: funny. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess the coastlines are always going to be a lot more progressive, just Uh, because of location.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it makes sense.
0: It's a bit more cosmopolitan.
1: That's right. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm trying to think of like, but I haven't had a request for Black Tribal again since then. How about you?
1: Um, no, I bet back in the tribal days, I used to take tribal and kind of innovate it and mix it with other things. But actually I just did redid this woman's body that she had like three or four tribal pieces that I had done back in the nineties. And I'm looking at it and going, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, um, I was able to work with her and, work with those designs and incorporate them in with a floral motif Mm. so it was was up on her shoulder and her neck and went down her back onto her butt so yeah that was that was one of the uh most creative and i think it turned out really beautiful that's cool
0: Wow. but what do you do now like is 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 a lot of reworks in your your arsenal or as i, I know you're like the i'm the flower guy mm-hmm. and i have been but you are like the queen of flowers oh. like <laughs> i've referenced your work for years
2: oh, okay. as like style of the, the
0: palettes that you use specifically for like okay. uh different skin tones and stuff you can just see when you've done stuff and like it works really well i'm like fuck that's really good dude i'm gonna go ahead and peel back and try to you know, steal some of that, that inspiration off of you. Oh, don't make okay. a fucking mistake, you know?
1: I think I I, I learned more from oil painting. I, during the COVID, I started painting. I did mm. about a half a dozen paintings, and I learned a lot from that. And, you know, I'd like to do more paintings, but I'm too busy running the shop and trying to take care of clients and all that mm. kind of stuff.
0: How many days a week do you work?
1: I don't tattoo constantly like I used to. I won't do it. It's too hard on me. So I just take it easy. Maybe I'll do one or two appointments a week and then the rest of the time I'm like doing business and you know I've slowed down. I just can't go at the at the pace that I used to when I was younger and I don't mm-hmm. even want to. <laughs> Why? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. The old seven days a week, seventeen hours a day, just grinding yeah. nonstop. Yeah. But
1: not not. Yeah um Running a
0: shop sucks.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> not. I'm surprised I'm still doing it.
0: Why don't you quit? Why don't you close it up and just head on the road and just do your work as a as an artisan? Just just enjoying the the uh, space. I
1: know. I'm just afraid of the change, I guess. And I have a really special lady that works with me now. It's mm. like finally after all these years, I have someone good that totally appreciates me. Mm. i don't want to give that up <laughs> such a rare thing
0: uh is it is it because like over all the years of all this stuff happening do you have you found that like as your career has progressed you become less
1: adventurous with this sort of stuff
0: or is it just like you're just kind of fed up just feeling like, oh fuck this you
1: know yeah a little bit of everything <laughs> uh, try not to be too jaded you know, <laughs>
2: by. Really,
1: uh, um,
0: <laughs> yeah I don't think you can not be jaded in this industry if you've been in it long enough. (laughs) You're forced to innovate and change and create every day. It's exhausting.
1: Yeah. Uh, And it's like any kind of art, even with music, anything that you create, you need like those period of times where it's blank, where you're like, um, uh, reformulating inside about just regaining your strength and your energy. mm -hmm. And, um,
0: good recess yeah,
1: everything's like that even with music you know like they have when you're writing music there's like these periods where it's like really fast or really staccato or something and then you have a, a part of it that's like slower and melodic um the contrast seems to be what really makes art good whatever mm. form it takes mm. that's how i look at it <clears throat>
0: Do you, do you get a chance to actually do your own art with these things or do you, do you approach your tattooing a bit more technically just trying to get the job done nowadays?
1: Um, no, I think I have a new enthusiasm for what I do. Now that I got rid of the bullshit in my life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. Uh. yeah. And um, so over the last 12 years, I've had so many operations so that kind of put the damper on me. It's like, mm. okay, here's another one, and then I have to recover, and um, and then I'm out of the loop for a while. I keep the shop going, of course, but um, that that part of my life has not been easy. And so my late my last operation kind of really wore me out. Now I'm just getting my strength back again mm. after. Sure. Four what? months of recovery
0: are these all tattoo injury related or something or what if what's no going it's on?
1: arthritis oh I had uh, uh two hip replacements, two carpal tunnel surgeries and one knee replacement Jeez. so each time I go through it it's like it's hard especially when you have I shouldn't say it surrounded by people that aren't too good in your work environment. <laughs> But, no, yeah. what I had to do was really, okay, so the thing that really changed my life was when Anna Anna Page, Anna Funk from Honolulu, decided she was going to give me a 50th anniversary party. So everybody from all over the U.S., not everyone, a lot of people showed up to participate, and Anna went out of, she just did such a superb job of doing all these events and activities where people get together and have luau's and dinners or um, beach parties, whatever it would be. I couldn't believe she did all that. So there was also this other young guy that did sort of like Reiki work there, um, massage and where it was, it's almost like taking an ayahuasca trip, but he was there. Yeah. He was there to um, doing, what he does for people. So I decided that I wanted to get a uh, session with him. And um, of course it's one of those things where all your sensory perceptions are like, uh, like you put a mask on and you have like really beautiful music headphones and then um, aromatherapy going and you lay there and everyone that has done it they have their own experience but for me it was very cathartic and i thought yeah i can do this and so it was <clears throat> it gave me a lot of um insight and new energy mm-hmm. and just being there with all of the supportive people that i'm not used to because i'm used to being alone all the time with the shop and my clients and this and that you know very mm-hmm. isolated um i I was kind of like overwhelmed, speechless. It's like, wow, (laughs) I can't believe this is happening. So um, the first thing I did when I came back to Seattle was fire this woman that had been working with me for a while. And I kept her because she was a great artist, but uh, we just did not mesh and everything that every inch of the way was like pulling teeth and, very argumentative, very, very narcissistic. And I feel weird talking about it. But when I got rid of her, I think it gave me the ability to really stand up to people. It's like, I'm not taking this any longer. Mm-hmm. Anyone that comes into my shop, I'm going to feel them out good. I don't care how good their artwork is. That's it, period.
2: Mm-hmm. That's it good.
1: A huge lesson. <clears throat>
0: yeah. I think it's, have you had to it's redefine good. your idea of like success? since some of the stuff has happened
1: well of course yeah and and you know back in the day just i thought oh you just hire someone i didn't know about any of this other stuff about being looking for certain qualities it's like yeah they can do the work i'll hire them it's like no <laughs> you don't do that <laughs> just don't do that uh And I think a lot of that comes from how I grew up being poor and that being instilled in my subconscious, like, oh, you got to have someone there working. You got to have someone there helping you pay the rent and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I don't. And that's what I learned. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) That's
2: awesome.
0: (laughs) I've been noticing that actually a lot with um, some of the shops just traveling around meeting people. There's a lot of like co-ops now where people are just like, well, we three get along. We're just going to open a shop. And then that's it. You know, you just kind of mm-hmm. have your little space. Um, and I, I think it's neat, right? Because we don't have the same hierarchical models anymore, where you go in and you work with a shop and you do a cut or an hourly pay or, you know, whatever. It's just everyone's kind of working together to, to do something that's good. The, my fear is, is that it becomes insulated. You know, if we have people who are just here and they don't venture up and maybe try to socialize a little bit, which I mean, we, we need to have that, I think, more is that I'm, I'm wondering if it's just going to make it so people start learning less be like, like know, we're, you know.
2: I know.
0: It seems to be happening because we we can just snoop now. We go online, right? We're just like on Facebook or Instagram to be like, oh look yeah. at this, you know. No one really reaches out and just says, hey.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm guilty of that. You know, I you don't know have I to do, do shit though. Dude, you're a legend. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, oh I, I gotta get out there. I gotta go visit some of these shops. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I should.
0: Uh, so, we had Damon on the show the other day. He thinks you're great.
1: Oh, I know. I love Damon. <laughs> Did you interview him? Yep. Oh, is it online? Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I have to listen to it.
0: Damon's cool, man. It's just yeah. a nice, positive, happy dude. You know, it's yeah. it's neat. You're surrounded, especially up there. I I worked in Seattle for a number of years. I still, actually, I'll make the commute up. I, I live in Portland, but I'll work up in Kent um, a okay. couple of days a week. And uh, the vibe out there is really neat, especially like some of the shops that are out there are just awesome. The people are really, really, really cool. You know, some shops, not so fucking much, but I guess that's kind of anywhere that you go. You know, I just keep walking into places nowadays because I'm just like, hi, I'm Ryan. You know, (laughs) (laughs) how's it going? It's like, oh, who are you? It's funny. I went into a place down here in Portland um, a little while ago. It's called Dead Gods Tattoo. Strong name. And I'm like, hi, you know, yeah, you know. And they looked at me like I was on fire. And uh, we're not friends. <laughs> I guess now I left my card. I'm like, we should hang out sometime. But I'm not like getting much feedback. I don't know what's happening with uh-huh. it. I, I wish that I wish we could all just like, as an industry, get along a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Just like hang out.
1: Well, no, I got my energy back, you know. I might be able to get out there and visit some other shops. No, I'm not working. As much as I used to, we
0: put you we should get you an r v and we should put you out there. you could just do a do a <laughs> do a town a month, we'll just send you out somewhere and just be like, "Hey, what's up? people should hey, hear man. your stories i <laughs> I have no idea who half these people are that you're talking about. I was like, why did they call oh. that dude what the 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 guy who went to jail what how did he get that name
1: um I don't know. Probably <laughs> some of the guys on the pipe gave it to him. I would I
0: imagine. Yeah. Everyone had like cool names back in the day. And now you're just like, yeah. hi, my name is Ryan. I do tattooing. You know, it's like, no, I got to have something like uh, Charlie Horse Cl- Clark or something. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, well Charlie Horse. Talk to him down there. No. we don't have call signs anymore. You know.
1: I think a lot of that comes from the biker culture, too, because oh. everyone always had like pseudonyms for themselves. Oh, yeah.
0: Did you ever any have any stuff? Did you have a couple other like nicknames for you?
1: Yeah, not that I know of. <laughs> I,
0: I knew you a six shooter. So I mean, there you go.
2: <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: funny. yeah the, the story went it was uh it was a rougher area where you started to tattoo in. And so you you know, people would come in and sometimes they'd be rude and you just keep a gun on your lap. They come and they start getting lippy, you'd be like, get out or I'll fucking shoot you.
1: No, but we used to have a, <laughs> a cattle prod.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we walk yeah. in and just fire that sucker up wave it in their face
1: <laughs> well luckily i never had to use it
0: <laughs> that's good at least <laughs> I, I think we should start spreading some some uh some stories about you just to help you know buffer your approach to various I areas I so know. it always start out with like a, a, have you heard this one so <laughs> i've heard mademoisanga <laughs> it was actually a bare knuckle boxer back in the day
1: oh cool
0: i like that one right yeah. You got you got the scars, you know, from the the surgeries and stuff. You'd be like, yeah, this is this time. This uh-huh. guy, he came at me with a bottle. I fucking beat his ass. He almost got me though. You know. <laughs> oh,
1: I guess, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. To me, my life seems kind of boring. But, um, you know, people should start making up more stories about me. Yeah,
0: I'm going to do it right now. We have a website. I'm going to write <laughs> a biopic for you. And uh, I'll send it over to be proofed, of course, beforehand. But I'm going to do that. I'm going to advertise the Jesus out of it. I know some people at some <laughs> of the magazines. I think we need to edit the Wikipedia article uh, mm-hmm. just a little bit. We'll keep all this stuff in there, but we need to make it a little bit more grand. You know, yeah. you're such okay. a chill person, too. It's I just like, it'd be mean, great to walk in. You hear that Mam Songa wrestled a bear once? That's how she got her <laughs> first
1: machine. That's <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> Uh, I'm not still? good at making up stories. Other people <laughs> can do that for me.
0: That's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: I actually had this couple come in the shop the other week that uh knew the Jimmy Dorsey song about Madame Luzanga. And I videotaped them singing it. I haven't posted it yet, I should, because they're really cute. Singing sing the song about Madame Luzanga.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, it's adorable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can be so like demure and cool when literally the industry is just like oh yeah you've done a lot like i, I read your wikipedia i'm like jesus christ you don't even like it doesn't phase you it doesn't seem it's like yeah whatever i just
1: <laughs> oh yeah like i i that's i guess that's part of my demeanor or something
0: yeah you're not Weird. just like check out all the shit i did it's awesome you know rock and roll throat. <laughs> just walk around stuff it down people's throats you know this is cool.
1: One time that they were filming in Seattle, Cinderella Liber- Liberty, and they came into the shop. Um, and they wound up filming down the street at some honky tonk place, but they came into the shop and James Conn was there and they filmed me sitting on James Conn's lap. So I go home <laughs> and I tell my husband, I said, Yeah, I got to sit on James wow. Conn's lap. He said, Do you know who that is? I said, No, I said, I'm oblivious. So he had to tell me who it was. Said, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh well uh, these
0: stories are fantastic this is it's not i know you're not you're just like well oh well that's fine yeah. one time you punched martin scorsese in the face i mean like it's just <laughs> nothing you know i didn't know who he was he was just being lippy uh how about how about we go let's let's talk about some of the the old stuff and how it was maybe maybe that would be kind of cool if you've got any more time here i'd like to yeah yeah i, I would love that Okay, let's let's say like pigment. So we're using our colors and our paints for tattooing. Where did you used to get yours from? Well,
1: did you have to- uh, there were like maybe two or three tattoo supply companies. I was constantly buying powdered ink and mixing it up myself. And I used to keep a notebook on uh, the different like reds and yellows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot just get you know because those were the colors that would fade out the fastest mm-hmm. um i even tried mixing up my ink with everclear mm-hmm. it's like eh, i didn't like that it was too organic it wasn't um yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah just trial and error with a lot of stuff
0: remember it's like when you're getting the raw pigments you couldn't just get them Like you wouldn't just go like but where we have now where you have all of these predispensed colors and stuff like you had to go you had to work for your shit yeah you know you had to talk to somebody who knew somebody and it be...
1: was all very secretive and you had to know the who's who of powdered ink and yeah all of that.
0: do you uh do you remember phil fairweather yes i do i still talk to phil i've, oh, been, cool. I've been at pen pal with him I think much against his wishes because I just keep talking to him. I don't give a shit. I've been talking to him for about uh, twelve or fifteen years. I'll just send him like emails. I'm like, hey, dude, how's it going? And um, some of the stories he had about his pigment stuff, which I don't know if he's actually able to talk about it properly or not, um, is wild. Just the trial and error, and you know, trying to figure out the best way to do stuff. It's 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 kind of crazy nowadays. We don't have to do that. You just
1: yeah. But the latest news is that certain people in power want to outlaw colored tattoo ink, And they yeah. do it just to have it like they've done in Europe. Yeah. I think the UK is the only place where that you can actually tattoo with color.
2: Yeah.
0: Well I have I have some thoughts about that because I think with the with the reach regulations, I don't think a lot of people know this, the companies that manufacture the pigments were given the chance to submit a dossier, as they say, with well, just mm. a packet of information um, showing that the pigment is safe and efficacious and they are refusing to do it. Oh, really? So okay. rather than put out our studies or doing any type of data that shows, you know, how this is potentially safe or potentially harmful, they're instead going into a media blitz and telling people that this is bad and you should support them because we, uh, we know that it's safe because so many people have tattoos. But if you do tattoos, you think about it, like, how many times have you had a red reaction? <laughs> <You> well, <know?
1: laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Every black. once in a while, not, like, back in the day.
0: Back in the day. <laughs> Remember, somebody, the skin would just, like, liquefy. It's <laughs> just like, oh, no, that's really bad, you know? <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah, red. Um, was, like, usually red where it would puff up. And yeah. Scar tissue and then what i would do is just go over it with the tattoo needles and kind of bleed it out and that would help
0: Mm -hmm. yep reduction treatment we actually have to find some of that stuff
1: i never get any reactions now
0: no i don't seem to as much i i do with uh, magentas and some purples
1: oh
2: kind of funny Wow. that's very
0: specific we're trying to define that a little bit better as well but it's just yeah. a pro-inflammatory phase the skin does the same thing it opens up it takes forever to heal and then they become uh light sensitive with photosensitive so if oh yeah sunlight shines on it something happens that happens with the blacks a lot more than i think it used to as well
1: oh i had that yeah. happen with the blue on my back mm-hmm but that was right after I got tattooed if I was in the sun and I never go in the sun. So <laughs> no problem.
2: Yeah.
0: Bonus of living in the Pacific Northwest where we've had 150 days of rain. Uh. Yeah, right. Um, All right, let's go with needles. Back in the day, you used to make your own needles, didn't you?
1: Oh yeah. I used to spend from the time I got up in the morning until the sun would go down just sitting there making needles. Yeah. <laughs> and the best needles that I got was from a company in England. I think it was yeah, England. And you know, we'd buy them separate in these little pouches, little packets.
0: A little cardboard tube, but, right?
1: <laughs> well, they were these were like packets where the ends were folded over.
0: Oh, a little, a little plastic. A little, no little plastic. Some, no, the paper packets.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a oiled paper kind of thing. Oh wow. Yeah. But those are the best needles on the planet. So you know, I've struggled with needles, getting good needles um, for a long time. I'm always experimenting with that.
0: Yeah, are you uh, are you running a rotary machine? One of those? Are you still running coils?
1: I can't do coil. My my hands have had it. I that.
2: can't. I don't have the
1: strength. So I use rotary. Yeah.
2: That.
1: I Had to kind of relearn my technique using the rotary machine talking
0: about back here yeah and a lot
1: of people use the coil machine for outlining and i've tried that but it's too late for me yep. too, i can't i can't do mm-hmm. it anymore
0: but we've yeah. noticed the, the actual application is a little bit like the rotaries act a little bit more like your zoomie or you get like the hand push stuff
1: the mm-hmm. coils
0: are kind of like the ta towel when are tapping on stuff so the actual effects on the skin are different that's why we're Doing here actually oh, is yeah. trying to figure out like the different ways that you're actually holding the needle, how it influences the skin, and how skin yeah. acoustics can aid or, or, you know, uh-huh. be a detriment to when pigments actually going in. So it's yeah. weird. A lot of the techniques we use with coils don't work with rotaries. They just don't. Right.
2: You know, That's right.
0: Remember how much faster coils were? You could just get, in... you can't do that with a rotary.
1: <laughs> no, I know. That's right. It's
2: so
0: slow. Yeah. But, but your ears don't ring anymore after a day. That's, so that's really right. nice. Yeah.
1: I'm half deaf in my right ear after decades. Yeah. I'm always going, what? <laughs> what? I'm half deaf.
0: Oh, that's funny. Uh, do, do you still make any of your needles? Or are you just totally no. by now?
1: Yeah. It, this I'm is the minute
0: them. you could stop doing that. You did?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sitting there for hours doing that. Although uh, I could, but I don't want to.
0: Yeah. I think uh, we were making ours is when uh, icon needles, their loose needles, would come out, and so Mm -hmm. I remember making them when I first started. But then uh, we had a supply store nearby. Uh, The guy owned it. His name was Gary Shin. It was in Toronto where I had started tattooing, and he got some Spalding and Rogers needles that are pre-made. Man, those are fucking awesome! (laughs) It's like done, you know, just good to go. Yeah, uh, Yeah,
1: I used to buy Spalding and Rogers loose needles. <clears throat> yeah, they seem to work okay. They're
0: all right. I didn't like Spalding's <clears throat> colors though. The StayGlow stuff.
1: Oh yeah, no.
0: It's just the oh. green or the StayGlow blue and green were like nuclear. You could tattoo tribal with that, like over top of it.
2: <laughs>
1: oh. Oh. oh.
0: I still have a bottle of it somewhere around here. Actually.
1: <laughs> I don't experiment too much anymore. I just, I mean, you know, not too much. I just stay with the tried and true colors.
0: hmm They have a very limited palette yes yeah what colors do you not use
1: oh god (laughs) (laughs) a whole array of them yeah Uh, i stick with primary colors and then if i want to make a a lighter i'll just mix it with ink Mm -hmm. i mean with white ink
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and sometimes i'll mix different colors together
0: Mm. i try to stay away from oranges myself Remember, orange Mm -hmm. has never been good everyone you know i mean we get like the flames and stuff and we just you know
1: oh
2: yeah
0: <laughs> and it's like 10 years out there's never any orange in anything so uh-huh. i'm just like i don't know i don't do that anymore i try to stay away from that magenta just because i've had uh-huh. a lot of reactions with it and i think it fades pretty quick oh uh-huh. but i don't like all the pre colors now you can buy 56 colors of a single line and they're everything pre-mixed and you can't mix it and you can't do this and that and so
1: i know it's very limiting yeah
2: yeah <clears throat> uh
1: yeah, I remember, uh, this is like going way back, when I was heavily tattooed, when nobody else was. I used to take uh, saunas at the YWCA, mm-hmm. and so, <clears throat> you know, looking at my body, it was like kind of, I guess, a shock to most people that they're not used to it. And so, um, I remember this one day, these two women in the locker room, they're saying, "But what do you think she is? You know, do you think, do you think she's a biker mama? Or do you think she's like in the Navy or something? And I'm listening to, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out my thing. It's like it was funny.
2: Uh.
1: But um yeah, and just being heavily tattooed. But, um I-, I learned that I had to be careful out in the public. Uh this was a long time ago though, but um this one time I went into was uh, uh International House of Pancakes. With a couple of friends, I guess we all looked like really hardcore. I don't know. To me, we're all like a bunch of softies, but they kicked us out for looking weird. This is a family restaurant. We're gonna have to ask you to leave. You know. That kind of thing. <laughs> so my friend uh, wrote the corporate office a letter, and you know they felt bad, so they gave us some free meal tickets or something. Like okay, whatever. And um, yeah, I learned early on. To If I didn't want to be treated differently, just to cover my tattoos up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of young women, like when I went to the women's show in New York a while back, these young women were like talking about that, how it is being out in the world, showing your tattoos, being heavily tattooed. And they get a lot of criticism and they're treated differently. But, um, you know, they're going to have to learn. Mm -hmm. If you don't want that, Mm -hmm. you just have to cover your tattoos up. Yeah, maybe not so much now, but
2: um, I think it's, I think it's still that way in
1: certain areas that yeah. are very conservative.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you can't get a job in like healthcare or, you know, to school or something like that if you have any type of like tattoos that they're yeah. showing and That's things right. are But I've noticed <clears throat> just a glut of younger people coming in with face tattoos, which oh freaks God. me out. Yeah, I, th- I don't do face tattoos. Oh. I just oh. I don't. I wouldn't even tattoo another tattoo on the
2: face. I just like can't. No.
1: Um we don't do faces or hands. We do hands only if the person is already heavily tattooed. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And they're the, older, you know.
0: Yeah, you got to be over 35 and you got to have at least a sleeve. Sorry.
1: Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we get a lot of requests for people that want their hands tattooed, so we have to really scrutinize that.
0: Yeah. I uh I got my hand tattooed when I was 19 oh and the day i got it done uh (laughs) i got on the the bus and i was like holding onto one of the straps or whatever you don't get on there and there's this yeah older lady got on and (laughs) she's instantly right when she was shot she tutted me i was like oh shit i made a big mistake like i shouldn't have done that you know and so i always like hold that kind Uh of tight to me that uh Life is already hard. We don't have to make it harder by doing
1: it. I know. That's right.
0: When did you end up getting your hands tattooed?
1: Oh, uh, I, I see. When was this? I think I had already been tattooing for 30 years or something like that. 25 or 30 years when I got my hands tattooed. And back then, no one was getting their hands tattooed. So I kind of broke the mold. It's like eh.
0: <laughs> When you showed up with your hands tattooed to other places or met with people, were people shocked?
1: i don't know <laughs> you know i don't know and i don't care i guess i don't pay attention yeah it has to be very blatant before i get it <laughs> it doesn't mean <laughs> my face Yeah, I'm
0: just yeah. too busy doing your own stuff but, that's right uh have you got any other good stories for
2: us um,
0: sorry about my phone going off in the background here i don't know how to mute it i'm not very tech savvy even though i do this shit
1: so well, yeah it's um my mastectomy work cuz for a while there I was known for that now everyone's known for it so um um when I was working in San Francisco I did my first mastectomy um tattoo <clears throat> and then later on after I moved back to Seattle every once in a while I would get someone that would come in and one of their scars covered so I started doing that and then um I had given Uh, this woman some of my photos to put in one of her books and so then it became uh, you know like a thing to do and then after that it seemed like everybody was doing that type of work
2: Mm -hmm. and Mm
1: -hmm. um, I just say more power to them but um, I noticed that now there's like someone sent me this thing about a GoFundMe for I don't even know who it was someone that wanted to raise money for um, mastectomy tattoo awareness, hmm. but everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon. And I thought, well, here you go, someone wanting to profiteer off of this. They have no history, mm-hmm. no clout, no nothing. I'm not yeah. giving them any. I'm not going to help promote it either. <laughs> I don't. Sure. I was even skeptical of P Ink until I found out who they were.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I've done a uh, so, a lot of studying on scar covering, um, an application like how to do it effectively. You know, um, but I'm not a specialist in mastectomy scar cover-ups. I've done a lot of them. Um, And some of the, I usually it's going to be the more aggressive ones where people have had like um entries through back for like, you know, bone shaving or removal of ribs. And there's like full, oh, yeah. you know, like really, really heavy duty ones. But I think it's just because other people are too afraid to do complex scars in general. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But I I noticed the same as you like, think. It, it was weird when I was doing cosmetic tattoos, you know, like a decade ago. <clears throat> or doing mastectomy cover ups. Uh like it, it was strange. People, one, because I'm a dude, you know, they're like, oh, what the fuck is with this? I'm like, don't worry, I've got it for you. It'd be fine. Uh but it, it seemed like after a couple of them went, then it just I've got countless people coming and saying that they got some work done. And it's not good in some cases. Some of it's all right, you know, but,
1: but cos- <clears throat> cosmetic work?
0: Cosmetic work or any yeah. of the mastectomy scar cover ups. I've seen some oh, okay, scar cover ups that were they were just fucking like horrible. Oh. horrible work and somebody was a specialist and charged oh boy so much money you know it wasn't even like a per the hour thing i think they rushed the jesus out of it but they you know charging five figures for a cover-up oh my god which is awful but when yeah. when did you start doing the, the scar covers
1: it yours? was a slow slow process like yeah. i said when i came back from san francisco um i started doing more of it little by little and then it became a thing and mm-hmm. um
0: how long ago was that? What year?
1: It was, it's been a slow progression. It's not like it just happened all of a sudden. Hmm. And um, the only way I promote myself is through my website and then through things that I post on Instagram. And um, yeah, I mean, the first time I did it, I think it was in 1985. <laughs> And then it slowly progressed forward. Jesus, that's awesome. I don't awesome. any kind of a tattoo scar, mastectomy scar cover at Mogul or anything. Mm-hmm. Just quietly do my work.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I was three years old when you started doing those. So I think you've oh, got me, you've got okay. me beat uh, quite a bit. So <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah.
1: It's hard for me to believe I've been tattooing for this long.
0: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> When when you started doing all these things like like with the scar cover ups or, or or pushing you know like different art styles and such like when how did you keep track and like keep improving because I mean it seems like you you constantly improve and you keep getting better so I'm I'm wondering like at, when you were making mistakes like did you ever like keep track of things were you forced oh, to go yeah. back over them like how did you deal with I guess you know failure or defeat when you got into this stuff to stay like I mean you're still working which is Amazing, you know? Uh,
1: How do I keep track? I just, um, especially now, try to just be as much of a perfectionist as I can be. And now they don't have any more operations looming, not right away anyway. I want to do as much as I can before my next operation because I might (laughs) – I hate to even talk like this. I might have to have my other knee done. So it really forces me to want to be more zen-like and more of a perfectionist, both with my art and with my technique.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah.
1: I'm not sure what the future holds, but that's my whole thing of how I want to be right now.
0: Wow. Are you just going to continue to tattoo as long as you can? Probably. That's awesome. <laughs> <Before>. <laughs> you must love tattooing. You know? I do. Wow.
1: I do. I've always been really passionate about it.
2: Oh. Wow. Well, if there's um, what the fuck is that. Sorry. And of
1: course, there's a lot of things I don't want to do, so I'm <laughs> selective. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Well, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, uh, what do you think it would be?
1: I make sure whoever I surround myself with is going to be the kind of person that I figure I deserve to be around. Hmm. Yeah,
0: that's really good advice. If you can give advice to tattooers who are just starting, you give them one piece of advice. What would you tell any tattooer out there who's in their first uh, five years or so?
1: think would help. I don't know if I could because they're not going to listen to you anyway. So why bother? <laughs> See, maybe that's the jadedness in me. Oh yeah, that's and
2: awesome.
1: <laughs> don't just don't do it. <laughs>
0: just leave me alone, folks. <laughs>
2: that's
0: oh, <laughs> fantastic it used to be uh i think most people were like don't get into tattooing like, go get a real job you know that's yeah. normal life. but it seems like now tattooing is a full-time realistic artistic profession that you can get into which it doesn't compute for me still i still think tattooing should be a side gig
2: <laughs> you
1: know yeah well you know if you have have the desire and the passion and the energy i say go for it because it's well, going to consume everything in your life.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah. it has consumed everything pretty much. And I that's the way I wanted it to be.
2: Mm. You jumped but in both feet. Just... Now that I'm
1: older, I'm thinking I need to do I need to, you know, experience some other things in life.
0: Mm. Well what's your what's your top five? What do you want to do?
1: Uh do art. <laughs> <laughs> um be <laughs> in gonna... nature. Oh yeah. yeah. And Just be around kind people, which I already am. So I'm off to a good start.
0: That is a good start. No bungee jumping out of a helicopter over in (laughs) Leia's?
1: I'll watch other people do that. No, No, I'm not doing that.
0: Well. So we'll just we'll build your we'll build your story on the back end now. So anyone who's listening, if you have a new story that you want to write. Uh, make sure that we we send it to your your email first so you can vet these things. So you're going to have to create a new folder. Oh, okay. Just entitle it, cool. you know, The Legend. We'll call it The Legend, and uh, we'll just start spinning stuff about you. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I've already got 30 yeah, or 40 I, stories I, in my head.
1: <laughs> I don't really have an agenda. I don't plan. It's like I just I feel um, I just let life kind of guide me. Into the area that I'm supposed to be going in, and I trust in that. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever that I know about what I really truly deserve. So I'm just going with that.
2: Good for you. I'm gonna
0: have to stop by your shop sometime and say hi.
1: I know you should.
0: Yeah, we're talking about social. Let, let
1: me know ahead of time so I know <laughs> to be there. <laughs> I,
0: I will actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. let,
0: uh our generic outro track thank you everyone for listening remember please go give us a like subscribe review on any of the podcast players or platforms that you enjoy listening to us on and uh thanks yeah thanks thanks for listening to the show we hope you enjoyed it we'll talk to you again next week